Grief is not something that we start at and move on from. We can run, we can hide, but that void loss brings remains. And so we want to find time to attend to it. Welcome to Live Well and Thrive, a podcast recognizing the hard work, dedication, and diversity of our team at Kaiser Permanente Northern California. I'm your host, Carrie Owen Pleats. Grief binds us together as human beings. It's something we all experience. And in healthcare, it's something we encounter both professionally and personally in the work we do to serve others. Let's just sit with that for a moment and acknowledge the extraordinary amount of grief and loss we have all encountered over the past four years. Unfortunately, left unacknowledged and unsupported, grief can lead to poor self-care, addiction, substance abuse, anxiety and depression, and compromised physical and mental health. On the flip side, understanding what's behind a person's grief can uncover an important layer of someone's personal story, helping us to have and demonstrate a greater compassion toward both them and others in our lives. So today I am so happy to be joined by Leah Hellerstein, LCSW, MPH, Social Services Manager, and Carly Rencher Chen, LCSW Hospice Social Worker from our Kaiser Permanente San Francisco Medical Center for a conversation on grief. They will help us unpack what grief is and why it's important to acknowledge. They'll also give us a better understanding of the grieving process and how it can help a person's well-being. We will also learn about the valuable KP resources available to help support our team, our listeners, when it comes to managing and overcoming grief. So welcome to Live Well and Thrive, Leah and Carly. Thank you, Carrie. So happy to be here. Yeah, thank you so much, Carrie. This is a delight. I guess it's weird to say I'm excited for this conversation about <laughs> grief, but I, I really am because it impacts all of us. And so if there's something that any one of us can take away from this conversation, I know they will, and I know I will be better for it. So let's get started. Let's make sure we all have just a common understanding of what we mean by grief. Carly, can you tell us what grief is and what are the different forms it can take for those who are grieving? Yeah. So when we think about grief, I conceptualize it as this time when we are giving ourselves space to adjust to a loss and all of the changes that that's brought. So when we're grieving, we can experience a variety of reactions. Of course, the most common we think of as emotional, but physical, spiritual, cognitive, social, all of these changes can happen as a result of loss. And we need some time to process it and to get support around it and to acknowledge it. I like to think about loss as being very universal. As you said, it's something that binds us as humans. And with that, while we may have a lot of similar reactions, you know, our relationships are unique. So our reactions to loss and to grief are going to be different. I find that grief is really amenable to using metaphors or analogies. But so for me, the metaphor that I often use because I'm here in San Francisco is thinking about the fog that we experience. And uh -huh. sometimes you'll just be out doing something and it'll roll in. And it's damp and it's heavy and it makes us disoriented. We lose our perspective and you can like drive down a hill or cross a bridge and then it's blue sky. And grief can often feel that way where it just comes out of nowhere and we don't always know necessarily where that heaviness came from. Sometimes people describe it as like standing in the surf, just getting hit by mm -hmm. wave after wave, having the rug pulled out from under them, maybe the roof blown off their home. I also think it's important to identify what grief is not. So grief is not linear. 
It is not something that we start at and then we just move forward and move on from. Grief is often more cyclical. So we may experience something really early on after experiencing a loss and think, oh, good, I'm done with that. Um, But maybe this time next year, we'll come back up or an anniversary or something significant and we'll find ourselves back. The other thing I think is really important to identify with grief is that it's not just tears. Grief can bring a whole range of different emotions and reactions. So we can experience anger, guilt, regret, sometimes relief, gratitude. Oftentimes we'll be experiencing like gratitude and relief or gratitude and sadness at the same time. And they can seem like they're opposite emotions, but in grief, they hold the same space. Sometimes we call it like bothness, this idea of being able to hold space for two emotions that seem opposed or seem paradoxical, but they don't cancel each other out. You know, they hold that same space. That's extremely powerful. And I'm really kind of soaking in your analogies, especially having lived in San Francisco for five years and the fog coming in and out. And I also think the comments on the surf are so accurate. Those experiencing all the weather, everybody can relate to it. So thank you for that analogy. And how did you phrase it? Togetherness about feeling two emotions at the same time that seem to be completely opposite, but can exist in the same space. Yeah. Embracing the paradox or sometimes we say bothness or like two things are true. Both were really grateful that maybe our loved one isn't suffering in the way that they were. Mm -hmm. We're grateful that we had that time with them and also so devastated that they're not here And, and they don't cancel each other out. Like we can hold space for both and understanding that is I think one of the keys in in really being able to acknowledge and give space to our grief. Yeah. It's beautiful. Oftentimes we also think of grief as solely tied to the loss of someone who's just significant to us, whether that's death or separation, but it can also be caused by other things, right? Oh, absolutely. That's such an important piece to acknowledge. So we can experience loss in a variety of ways. You mentioned at the top holding space for all the losses we've had around COVID. And that, of course, includes the deaths and those that people that we lost, but the ways of life that we were used to. There's been permanent changes, of course. Right. Who fills it more than healthcare, right? I mean, we are holding so much of that in healthcare relationships, estrangement, loss of employment, loss of health, loss of physical health, loss of mental health. We can also experience loss and grief as a result of immigration moving places. Also, of course, institutional racism, child going off to college, you know, secondary loss is also something that we think of with other losses. So we've maybe we've lost our partner or our spouse. And then some of the secondary loss around that would be other social relationships that we had or our role as caregiver or our role as partner. So oftentimes after we've experienced a loss, we can experience secondary losses that are a result of the way that life has changed due to that loss. Wow. So I've seen how grief can sometimes be associated with feelings of shame and just embarrassment. And I think you touched on that just a a little while ago about people feeling gratitude, but at the same time feeling the loss and maybe some feelings of shame associated with that. Can you tell us why these kinds of negative associations surface when it comes to something which is very much just a part of nature and a part about being human? Yes, it is. Right. I think that part of it has to do with the culture that we live in. We thankfully like to focus on the positive, which is great. And I think it's a real asset and it's a strength that we have to be able to see silver linings and to be able to get through difficult situations. 
when we only focus on the positive, then it can be invalidating. We can feel ashamed. We can feel isolated because we think, why am I having such a hard time dealing with this? Actually, something that we see is someone experienced the loss of somebody and they're really sad. They're grieving. They're having a difficult time adjusting. They feel isolated. And then they will beat themselves up or criticize themselves or question like, what is going on? Why am I having such a hard time dealing with this? Like I see people around me. I look on Instagram. I see like people just seem happy. Right, right, right. Everybody is happy on Instagram. (laughs) Right, right. It's this false sense. So if we live in a culture that doesn't acknowledge or give us space for our loss and grief, then we will often internalize it. And we think Mm -hmm. there's something that I'm doing wrong. I'm not coping right. I don't have the skills. That's why we can feel shame. We can feel this negative association. When we are given the education or when we're given that time and space around our grief to understand it, then that's when we can have some compassion for ourselves and say, hey, no, this is really hard. It's okay not to be okay, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Carly, once we acknowledge grief, what does the grieving process look like and how can it help a person's well-being? So a big piece of it is acknowledging with ourselves first and then with the people around us when they've experienced a loss. That goes a long way. And then being able to allow ourselves the space, the time, the support, the community that we need. So for all of us, it's going to be a little bit different. So many people really feel like being part of a support group or a community of others that are grieving is really helpful because it helps to normalize what they're going through. It helps to combat that isolation that we just talked about, that feeling like we're really alone in this, we're not doing it right because we don't want to burden the people around us with the difficulties and we don't want to bring down the mood. So having a dedicated space for it can be really helpful. Some people relate more with creative expression. So having an art therapy group or even people that aren't like intrinsically artistic will find creative expressions, cooking, crafting, writing, finding time to write poetry, just anything that we can do to externalize what we're going through and and giving ourselves space to do that. A really big piece of processing is educating ourselves. Mm. That's why I'm so grateful to you, Carrie, and to your team for having this topic today. I mean, it just, it's going to go a long way for acknowledging it. So I think when we educate ourselves, it can really allow ourselves and give ourselves permission to get the support that we need, particularly in healthcare, where, of course, we have our own personal losses and we're in the midst of caring for our patients and their families and the losses that they experience. So if we're able to give ourselves permission, to take the time that we need to get the support that we need, then we can extend that to others and we can better understand our patients and their families and also our coworkers and our teams and our departments. Carly, that's fantastic. And I do think this is such an important conversation to be having. Nobody has been immune from loss, as you were talking about, and the impact of grief. But I'm not sure we've all given ourselves the space and the grace to process grief. And hopefully this is an opportunity to educate people and encourage people to reach out and understand it's okay to not be okay. And there are other people that are here with you. You have a tribe of the KP family who can help you through it. So that's a healthy processing. What can happen over time if someone just doesn't acknowledge and process their grief? So what we know is that it doesn't go away. Yeah. 
We can run, we can hide, but that void and the emptiness that loss brings remains. And so we want to find time to attend to it. So when we have grief that is unattended to, it can lead to a lot of anxiety, to anxiety disorders. It can lead to depression. We may try to find ways to numb ourselves. We can get distracted and some distraction is good, right? It has to be a balance. Life is complicated and we have responsibilities that we need to attend to, but we want to be able to make time so that it doesn't lead to disruptions in our relationships, substance abuse, independence, addiction. The other things I think that are really important to think about is it can really affect our confidence when we feel like we're towing this heaviness with us all the time or this emptiness and we're constantly trying to find ways to fill it and not identifying it as loss, then it can feel like we're just in this endless cycle when we are able to actually pause and acknowledge and recognize, oh, I'm struggling because of this, it can really help to prevent the difficulties that we see. Leah and I see this a lot with people that are part of our community. Maybe it's been years since their loss and they realize I was struggling in this relationship or I lost my job because of this. And then they realize, oh, it just came down to losing my mom at this point. And I, mm. at the time, I just couldn't process it or couldn't deal with it or didn't have the support around it. Unfortunately, the society and the culture that we live in, we don't like to talk about death and dying and grief and loss. These are heavy topics. It's hard to focus on. I don't necessarily want to fault anyone for not processing or giving themselves space sure. around grief. People may not feel like they have the space or the support or they don't want to give themselves permission. This is such a great question because if we understand the ramifications and the impact that it can have on our life and on our physical health and on our emotional health, then it's easier to really give ourselves that permission to take this time and to have the space for it. So thank yeah, you. And I think we've gotten better at seeing mental health as critical to overall health. And it's just like having twisted your ankle, you know, physical therapy, right? To get you back into the groove. And it's the same thing with mental health. And what I'm really hearing you say is going through the grieving process and having grace with yourself and holding on to others through that process and recognizing you're not alone. It's just like physical therapy that's truly taking care of yourself. And again, not holding back grace to those who maybe haven't recognized that that's what they're going through. But this is a great opportunity to just widen, I think, our aperture and our understanding of the importance of the grieving process. So on the last episode of Live Well and Thrive, we talked about how understanding each other's stories can help us demonstrate greater compassion, both toward others and ourselves. So how can understanding the reason or story behind someone's grief help us to demonstrate just greater compassion, both to the person and to others? Oh, this is such a great question. Grief really is this common thread. Every human, none of right. us will get out of this world without experiencing grief. It's just a part of the human experience. So there's a poet and an author named Ocean Wong, and I heard an interview with him and I really appreciated the way that he has used his grief as a conduit for compassion. So he lost his mom to cancer a few years ago. And he talks about that when he is maybe like in a cafe or he's in a restaurant and he looks over at somebody and he thinks, I wonder who they have lost, who in their life a mother, a sister, a cousin, who have they lost? And he's thinking about his mom and his own loss. And immediately that'll bind him. We may not have anything else in common, but this person has lost someone. And he's just speculating or he'll think, 
who will they lose if they haven't Mm. lost somebody now? Who will they? And it just immediately becomes this conduit for compassion. We're healthcare workers. I mean, is there a more compassionate bunch of people? It's something I think that many of us do naturally. It's just always an incredible thing to see. I think it can really help us to understand why people behave in a certain way when we think about they're reacting in this way. Maybe it's a result of loss and maybe we don't even know. But to go there first and think, I wonder what they're dealing with. And maybe that's the reason. Like when you're watching a movie and you see this character and you're like, what is going on? Why are they behaving that way? And then they like flash back to like, oh, this person, you know, they lost. Right, right. Okay, now we get it. Yeah. 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 Now that anger has more context to it. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Carly, that's fantastic. Thank you. So Leah, I'm going to bring you into the conversation now. One of the reasons we have heard others say that they don't accept or work on grief is just they're too busy. Too busy work, they're too busy with kids, which I can totally relate to. They have other family obligations. So what can we do and what are we doing as an organization to overcome these boundaries to support and experience grief? Thank you so much for this question. Thank you, Carly, for such a beautiful overview of this. She's she's just so good at it. I'm so impressed. But yeah, I think it starts with us as an employer acknowledging that this is a human experience. We offer bereavement leave, PTO or other time off that they need. And we do a good job of offering the resources on the HR level to support that. But I think we also need to be compassionate as individual managers and other people who are in leadership positions to understand that our employees are going to go through these experiences and we need to be there for them and support them in the ways that they need it. We are here in the field supporting patients, but we also have to support our own staff who do the work. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to do the work for their patients. I think that's a really important thing. And the other thing, we offer a variety of bereavement support. Carly and others are spearheading those. And we have virtual groups. We have an in-person group that meets in San Francisco. And we also have various other groups that meet throughout the region. And these are really great opportunities for people to get emotional support. As Carly mentioned, is that space to get support from others, to hear what they're going through and help with coping and adjustment. That's a good start as well. And we also offer workshops on the regional level. Every Thursday, there's a different topic that's discussed around grief and loss. And so this is a really great way to get more education around the topic. This is a really great place to start, especially for those who may not feel as comfortable going into a support group where there's more on the emotional level and sharing. So I know that information will be in the show notes. And so we definitely encourage people listening listening to pursue those and reach out if they have questions. Yeah. I think we also have to acknowledge that there's been so much personal and professional grief going on in this last few years because of COVID. And we have offered COVID specific groups in the past. Those are definitely still happening in various ways. We know it's not over and it's unfortunately probably here to stay. Bad grief will continue in certain ways. So we just want people to feel comfortable reaching out if their grief is related to COVID or to other losses they've had on a professional level. I would really encourage people to give us a call, send us an email. We're happy to talk with you further about what your situation is, what you need support with and figure out what the best plan for you would be. And even if they're not ready, just know that we're here for them when they are ready. I love it, Leah. There's so many benefits of being part of the KP family and both of you are just highlighting the power of the team, the expertise, and just the compassion of the team in San Francisco, but across the region. So Leah, you mentioned about all of these resources, which are so fantastic. I wonder when you have a situation that our nurses and our team face pretty regularly is the death of a loved one or a grief when you're in the moment, 
some of our teams want to steel themselves to maybe not feeling that emotion at that point in time or feeling that it's not professional to express their grief. What would you say? Do you think they should steel themselves to that situation in that moment and process their grief later? Or should we give license to people to not steal themselves in that moment? Well, I think there's a certain amount of professionalism and just situational. Like if you're a doctor in the emergency room, you have to do the work and can't maybe grieve at that moment or Uh deal with the emotions, but also understanding your limits and where is it difficult for you as a person, what's triggering for you and where are the times where you need to seek support? There's a certain amount of armor we need to put on in a healthcare environment just because there's just so much happening all the time that is triggering. But we also need to know when personally we need to reach out because if we don't deal with the things that are triggering, it can lead to anxiety, depression, and other issues that arise from complicated grief or not acknowledging the grief. And Leah, I think if I remember correctly, was part of the team, maybe recommend having a time, maybe in a group setting or a team meeting afterwards to talk about grief. So it gives the team an outlet. Is that right? Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Give time if the manager is just making space and, and opportunities for the team to come together and talk the beginning of our team meetings. We have a time where we acknowledge the patients that have passed. Then just each person gets to speak about that person and their life and all the work we did with them. And so that's a really good way to acknowledge that patient. And it might be good to consider for other teams to put that into their practices if there's some sort of ritual or practice they can do so that they can feel some closure around that and not have to carry that with them. Beautiful. You know, we have people, as we were talking earlier, that maybe just haven't acknowledged their own grief. And I'm wondering, how can we help those those around us who just may not have sought the support at this point in time. As a colleague to a colleague, what do you think that those steps should be? What should we do to maybe help our nurse colleague who we know might be going through something? What would you suggest? Yeah, I think supporting that person where they're at, whether it's just listening and acknowledging whatever they're going through, maybe they're not ready to pursue a support group or get more resources in place, but listening to them and helping them just process what they are going through and just letting them know that Kaiser has groups, for example, or they have we have other resources here internally. Is this something that you might be interested in? Maybe considering talking to EAP as well, because that's always a good resource for people. EAP is more of an individual level and related to work stressors, but can also be a good support. And so I think on a colleague to colleague basis, looking for those people who you see that are struggling and really reaching out if you can. I know we're all very busy and the work is it has so many challenges in itself, but we want to also look out for those who seem like they're having hard experiences with grief or with whatever's happening in their life and try to reach out. And if not, maybe talk to a manager and say what they notice. And maybe they're concerned about this person and maybe that manager can reach out and just offer support as well. Or uh, we have a podcast for you to listen to on your break. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> with all this great conversation. Through all of your experience in helping people process grief, has there been an unusual circumstance or a story either one of you could share that might help others process their grief? Carly, what do you think? Yeah, so I think that just as we were saying, all of our relationships are different. The ways that we're going to react to grief are different. A big part of processing our grief is finding ways that we can actually stay connected to our loved ones. So there's a grief theory called continuing bonds. And it's this idea that we want to be able to find ways 
ways to stay connected because when the people in our lives die, the love for them doesn't die, right? And we still want to have a way to find connections. I've heard a variety of wonderful ways that people stay connected. One that really stands out, a daughter would make coffee for her dad every morning. That was part of their normal routine. They would sit down together and have their coffee together. So after he died, instead of stopping that practice, she continued to do it. I remember her feeling very sheepish when she mentioned it in the group because she was thinking like, people are going to think, I think he's still really here. You know, like maybe it's a waste of coffee, right? Like there's a whole number of reasons why you wouldn't want to do that. But for her emotionally and for her bond with him, it was essential. And it, it every day she started her day being able to feel connected to her dad. That's just such a beautiful example. That's beautiful. People will still write emails to their loved ones. I remember a daughter on her way home from work, she would open up her audio tab in her phone and she would just record her conversation with her mom. Like, these are all the things I wanted to tell you today, mom, and I didn't get a chance. And she recorded it both because she wanted to actually be able to document her process, but we don't need to record it, right? Just being able to speak out loud to our loved ones and finding ways to stay connected. I can't say much more because I'm going to start crying. (laughs) (laughs) The coffee got me. I know. I know that one stays with me. Right? That's beautiful. Yes, it's the opposite of crazy. Staying connected. It's crazy to think we're never going to talk about our loved one anymore. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I always ask our guests to close with how their work has impacted them both personally and professionally. And so how has this work impacted or influenced you? And maybe we'll start with Carly first and then we'll go to Leah. Ah, thank you so much, Carrie. First off, ironically, it's brought me a lot of joy, which can sound odd when we talk about grief and loss, but it really does. And I think the reason is that I have this real honor and privilege to be present with folks, with family members of our patients and with patients when they're in the last stages of their own life or after, and I'm present with their family members. And when you sit with people who are courageous enough to be vulnerable and to share the difficulties that they're facing, it's incredibly humbling. This is how we learn. I mean, the things that I've shared today This is from sitting through and bearing witness to thousands of hours of people sharing their stories. And it's incredibly courageous to do that. So what I take away is the power of the human spirit. It's amazing that people can get up out of bed and do the things that they have to do in their life when they are facing these just unimaginable losses. And so, yeah, for me, ironically, it brings joy. No, I I love that. There's a few words that stuck out to me is courage of people sharing their stories. Sometimes it runs counterintuitive to the part of embarrassment. This is actually you're being courageous and sharing your stories. No, this is helping you, but at the same time, you're helping others who are experiencing maybe the same thing and, and sharing that gift. Thank you. That was beautiful. Leah, what would you say? Yeah, learning about all this has helped me understand no matter what we do in healthcare, I think it's important to have a understanding about grief and loss because it may impact us in almost everything we do. Personally, just being very grateful for everything that I have and working with Carly and all the great members of our team, I've learned so many ways that they approach grief and that they work with their patients and families that I can apply to my own life. 
So I'm just super grateful for our team here in San Francisco. I think they're just incredible. Our spiritual counselors, our hospice nurses, it's just such a great environment. And so we couldn't do the work that we do without the great people that are here supporting our patients. Also, thank you so much, Carrie, for this opportunity and to highlight this work. It's one of those areas I don't think we talk about as much at Kaiser. And I hope we can have more conversations and just be more open about this in the future. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you to both of you for what you've chosen to do for a career and the thousands of patients and families and employees within KP and the extended KP family that you've supported over the many years. We couldn't do it without you. And you've impacted and saved lives in ways you probably don't even recognize at this point in time. I just really want to thank Carly and Leah for your incredible perspectives today. Thank you so much, Carrie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Carrie. Really appreciate you taking the time to highlight this work. So thank you so much. This is a sobering but important topic for us to cover and revisit on the podcast. I strongly encourage our listeners to check out the links in the show notes for today's episode. There are several important resources available to our KP team and by extension, our entire KP family. As always, I invite you to share what's on your mind, ask a question or suggest a topic or guest and send it to livewellandthrive at kp.org. And whether you're listening on your commute or during a down moment, keep those comments coming. And of course, I'd like to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in to Live Well and Thrive, a podcast recognizing the hard work, dedication, and diversity of our team at Kaiser Permanente. I'm Carrie Owen-Fleet, and we'll see you next time.